Job seekers with a criminal record face an enormous barrier to employment. While legal service providers can assist with the expungement process, often at little or no cost, they are predominantly located in urban centers, making access difficult for those in rural areas. This is so important for libraries to offer because in addition to being a community service, we're providing the information and resources necessary to remove a barrier for people who are seeking employment, advancement, education, and even housing. Welcome to FYI, the Public Libraries Podcast. I'm Kathleen Hughes with the Public Library Association. In this episode, Elena Coelho, Adult Program Manager, Worcester County, Maryland Library, and Marshall Shord, Assistant Branch Manager, Worcester County, Maryland Library, will share their experience starting and running a bi-monthly expungement clinic in an area with few pro bono legal resources. The hybrid model they use in partnership with the Maryland Volunteer Lawyer Service allows participants to virtually connect with lawyers in other parts of the state through library-provided laptops in a semi-private meeting room. Welcome, Elena and Marshall. Thank you. Thank you. To start, why don't you explain what an expungement clinic is and why this is such an important service for libraries to consider offering? Elena Coelho here, uh, and I'm just going to throw out a disclaimer that I am not an attorney and we do not offer legal advice. But an expungement clinic is a place where people can connect with pro bono attorneys. They can begin the filing process for having their records sealed. This is not a pardon. That's something that can only be done by a governor or the president. But some states will see that word used. They kind of, it can be used interchangeably. Here in Maryland, uh, the Maryland Volunteer Lawyer Services, they are doing this for low-income individuals. They require that people bring income for all household members to the clinic because they're going to be pre-screened. So you have to bring the income, value of your home if you have one, car if you have one, how much is in your checking or savings accounts, and any investments. And we put all of this out there so people understand that. An expungement is a civil case. So they can also help people with family law, housing, consumer law, income tax, and estate planning. This is so important for libraries to offer because in addition to being a community service, we're providing the information and resources necessary to remove a barrier for people who are seeking employment, advancement, education, and even housing. Employers or landlords, for example, they may see something on a record and they could not understand it properly, they could read it wrong, and they could see the person as a risk factor, leading them not to get the job, the home, or, you know, advance in the company. According to the National Conference of State Legislatures, one in three American adults have a criminal record. So they are in our communities, and libraries serve the community. So just to be clear, when a record is expunged, does it completely disappear? It is cleared from their record. It is, it's sealed, essentially. But I'm sure people could dig into something and find it somewhere. Marshall, can you tell us about the Worcester County's expungement clinic experience? It's one of the most direct ways to help people in need that I can think of. And just speaking professionally, it's been the most rewarding project I've ever been a part of. We've had fairly steady attendance for each of our clinics. Elaine and I are kind of always in dialogue after each clinic to tweak the program, visit new ways to make it more convenient for our patrons and to function smoother. We are going to be expanding to another branch at the opposite end of our county this summer. So we're going to be taking it out to the rest of the system. We've been just primarily doing it at our Ocean City branch. And I do have to say we've received a lot of administrative support and support from our community partners for the clinics. And the feedback we've received from participants has been uh, uniformly positive, even if they haven't had the outcome with the attorneys that they were looking for, that they were able to actually access this sort of resource they were they were thankful for. 
Can you kind of walk us through the experience of a person attending the expungement clinic? They come to the library and how does it play out? So we have an online sign-up registration form we ask people to fill out. We realize everybody does not have internet access. We let people call us, they can walk in. And the reason why we do this is to make sure we communicate accurate numbers to Maryland Volunteer Lawyer Service so that they know how many uh, paralegals and attorneys to have on hand. So once the people come in, um, we have a little desk set up in our lobby. They check in with our staff member, Kathy. Kathy gives them a folder that we have prepared with some intake paperwork. I kind of escort them to a quiet space in the library proper and instruct them what to fill out the paperwork. I give them about 10 minutes. I check in with them. Once they're done, I take them down to our meeting room where Elena is positioned and we have laptops set up in there with headphones um, so they can have some privacy. And then they have to go through more intake, which is what Elena was talking about through uh, MVLS's online form where they do more substantial income verification. And that I'd say told takes about 30 minutes, paperwork plus online intake. They then see a paralegal. At that point, it's pretty much out of our hands. Elena is in there to deal with any sort of technical issues, but it's really between them and the paralegal at that point. And that's where kind of the privacy aspect of this is, is paramount. We really try to stay out of it as much as possible. The paralegal, I believe, looks up their case for them, does a case search. They see, I think, if they qualify or not, they meet certain parameters, and then they're passed on to an attorney, takes it from there. Scheduling for that has been difficult because that can take a long time. It can also be done very quickly. They can be told you don't qualify, or they may have to do it outside of the hours of the clinic because it requires more substantial help. Since it's pro bono, everybody is doing this on their own time and of their own volition. So it can take 45 minutes to an hour on average for a participant. And we do it for about two hours and we have four stations. And then at the end, they're given a survey. The participant's given a survey to fill out. That's from MVLS, but we also keep it for our records too, because we like the feedback. We make a copy of the original paperwork for them. They can take those copies, but we do have to send the original to MVLS for their records. And we also have a little card that we give to the participant with the lawyer's name on it and the issue they were discussing, just so they have that for reference. We do have job information called job fair to go kits to give people after the clinic something to consider, some job resources to kind of really reinforce, you know, why they're there. For us, it's a workforce program, but also a community service. Do you have anything to add to that, Elena? Absolutely. I just want to add with the job kits, you write out your information before you apply for the jobs. You write down your previous work experience. And that way, when people go to type it in, they have a better chance of typing it correctly the first time. Because when you use the backspace button, many employers count that and they will hold it against you. So we want to remove that barrier by giving them this paper that looks like an application. I did not know that. So when people are applying for jobs, if they're backspacing and retyping, that's being counted against them? Correct. Marshall, you were mentioning MVLS. Can you explain what that stands for? That's the Maryland Volunteer Lawyers Service. Finding a really good legal services partner is paramount for this to work because they're really the ones, they're the experts, they're the legal advice. I look at us more as the facilitators. We provide the space, we get them signed up through the basic steps. But once it becomes sort of that legal covenant, it's not our place as librarians. I'm just going to add one thing, Marshall. Our neighboring county, Wicomico County, they did this first. So we got a lot of help from them. They helped us come up with this process. You mentioned using pro bono legal resources, but where does the rest of the budget come for this project? 
We already had the laptops, so we didn't have to worry about that, but we also needed ethernet cables and noise canceling headphones. We are fortunate enough to have a Worcester County Library Foundation. They're a 501c3 nonprofit, and they raise funds to support our five branches in numerous ways. So I presented our idea to them and they unanimously agreed to purchase the cables and headphones. So if a library has a foundation, I would go to them for the funding. I would recommend applying for a grant if you have a state library that you can apply to. That's another route you can take. You could apply for a mini grant to fund something like this. So how many uh, library staff work on this project? Three. It's Elena, myself, and a full-time staff member here at the Ocean City branch named Kathy Moore. And the clinics, I mean, they're not our primary responsibilities. Um, They're kind of passion projects, I'd say, for both of us. So if a public library is interested in starting an expungement clinic, what do you recommend as first steps? The first one is really want to make sure that your administration knows what you're doing, what your goals are for the project before you really do any reaching out. And then 1A, just as important, I think, is make sure you have your legal services partner identified. As Elena said, we were really lucky. We didn't have to do very much because our neighboring county really already had a successful program. And so we just found out who they were working with and got a contact number pretty pretty easily. It's really not hard to find that information on the internet. I mean, between the two of us, we found information for legal service providers for 50 states. So anybody in their state or in their area is going to have an easy time, I think, finding somebody. And as I said, the legal services provider will hopefully already have some sort of clinic structure set up. So they're really going to be offering a lot to you. So um, then you have to ensure you have the space, the technology, namely laptops, as Elena said, and the logistics to do it. You also have to consider your community. What branch do you think would be best served? Who are your community partners or contacts who can point you to the right places to get the word out? Because it is really important you do some sort of outreach associated with it. Like social services providers in the county, we got our flyers placed in a, a local like job board that sent out every week throughout uh, the tri-county area. And then you do have to consider how you will offer it, hybrid, in-person, fully virtual. This will really depend on what the legal service provider is able to do. Logistics will be the last part of it. Um, How will you handle signups? Will it be online, over the phone, at the branch? We do all of it as we do. You really need to consider barriers at every step. One thing that being in our community, um, that's a major issue is transportation. We have some public transportation. It's very limited. The hours are limited. We need to think about that in terms of scheduling. And then lastly, digital literacy. How much help will people need using the computers? Absolutely. And I would just add when you're advertising to cast a wide net, what we have found, at least people who have spoken to us, is that they are finding about these clinics either through Facebook, the small local newspapers, or word of mouth. We're seeing that as well. Communities of needs have channels that this information gets out and people communicate with each other about important resources. So you mentioned one of the most important things to do when you're setting up an expungement clinic. Do you have any tips or ideas to find partnering organizations? I would begin with seeing if there are any other libraries in your state who are already doing this and getting advice for them. If that is not an option, I would turn to the State Bar Association. Other avenues would be Googling uh, just expungement clinics in your state to see what's going on because they don't have to be in libraries. Uh, Pro bono attorneys can be hosting it in their offices. 
any of those things are options. You can also contact one of us. We are certainly open to that. And we will share slides from the presentation that we gave at PLA. Marshall mentioned this. We have a resource sheet. It's a breakdown of the 50 states plus the District of Columbia. So those are that's a good starting point as well. You also talked a little bit about getting your library leadership on board. Were they okay with this idea or did you have to do some persuading? I think expungement is an idea that the community can really get around because it improves lives. It makes it gets people back to work and then they're spending money in the community. So whoever your local government is, they're going to be happy with that. So considering privacy needs and also the needs to accommodate a group of people, how can a library optimize its space and technology for the clinic? Privacy is not going to be absolute. In this case, we can all do our best to ensure privacy, but it is still a room where there are going to be three other people along with yourself and a staff member. And I think that's just a reality. You can do everything you can, but you can't ensure complete privacy. And I think everybody understands that. I make sure to explain, you know, this is not a private space. You'll be here with others. And I've had no objections. I think people are most excited and happy to have the opportunity to talk to someone in the legal profession. They are so into resolving their issue that I think they kind of forget that there's anybody around them, really. They do have over-the-ear headphones with a mouthpiece to speak into. And once people kind of get moving and talking, there's just just sort of noise. Elena, when she's up there, has music playing from where she's sitting or have headphones on herself. She's always available, obviously, but it's also another kind of layer of protection that she's just not sitting there listening to everybody. But it is necessary that she be in there to ensure that everything is going smoothly and the space is okay. And people are welcome if they're not comfortable. We gladly give the contact information out for Maryland Volunteer Lawyer Service or other reasons resources. They can do it in the privacy of their home. They can do it with a phone call. So they don't necessarily have to participate. Also, we have mostly use open Wi-Fi here in the in the library. We wanted to make sure everything was hardwired. So we got Ethernet cables, checked to make sure we had our tech people out to make sure all of our Ethernet ports still work. Felt like that was a good way of sort of ensuring there were no interruptions or anything. Do you have any success stories you'd like to share? One patron wrote that they were feeling a bit of relief. Job hunting will be less stressful. Another patron wrote, it was good to be able to talk to someone that can help you with your situation. And a third person wrote, I participated so I could move forward and get this off my record. It's wonderful to hear that. Like, And, and you can see it in them, their shoulders drop a little bit. And they don't have to continue to pay for the same mistake year after year. Not everybody that comes to the clinic gets the help that they need for whatever reason. I had a gentleman who wrote, nothing wrong with the program. The law is the problem. He wasn't happy when he left, but as far as the program, he strongly agreed with it and thinks that it can continue, even though it was not able to help him. And Marshall, do you want to share the story of the older gentleman? Because I think that is an incredible success story. I think it was the first clinic we did. I just asked him if everything went okay for him, if it was smooth, because we were trying to figure out if this worked. And he said to me that everything was fine and that he felt a great sense of relief because he'd carried around his criminal charge with him for 33 years and it had weighed on him for that time. And he had no idea that he could get it taken off of his record until he found out about our clinic and came and did that. And that's absolutely like the quote you want to hear when you run a program like this, that someone almost half a century had something holding them back from being able to maybe live the life they wanted to. And an hour or two at the public library uh, addressed that issue. And so that was one of the most powerful things I've experienced in my library work. And I really want to add and say that the attorney's 
and the paralegals, they listen. They truly listen. People want to talk to them. They want to tell them about what happened to them and to seek help from them. And it's incredible to see their level of kindness and empathy. Any last advice or tips you wanted to share? Patience really matters. You may have a clinic where there aren't a lot of people showing up. You might have a clinic where you're overwhelmed. But in the end, even if you just help one person, that's one person having their record cleared. Focus on your partnership with the legal services provider and listen to their needs. And I hope people spread the word and keep doing it. Expungement works. Give it a try. And if anybody needs any help, please reach out to us. Thanks for this great conversation and information. Expungement works and can be a potentially life-changing program for public libraries. That was Elena Wellhole and Marshall Shord of the Worcester County, Maryland Public Library. Thanks for listening.